Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Get ready for Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. The trouble with murder as a business is that very few of the men who take it up have any judgment. Sooner or later, they run it right into the ground. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. With the weather what it is, a smart operator would be spending his evenings indoors, parked near the steam heat, with a glass in his hand and a small warm glow in the region of his lower chest. I guess I don't qualify. I still like to take walks. Around about this time of the night, there's not much on the street. The air's cold and clean. It's nice to find out you have a pair of lungs which can use that air. Hey, you. Me? Hold it, eh? Hold what? Ah, the lippy type, eh? No, no, just not quick, that's all. You're Craig. That's more or less what I answer to. I got a job for you. Hmm, I'd better make a note of it. What the devil you took? How often does a job come running after I'd a man? save the conversation for a friend, Craig. You would like to make a couple of hundred easy? Me and most of the adult male population of the United States? Take this. This? Hmm. Small puppet. Come to think of it, uh, are there any big puppets? You deliver that, that's all. Two hundred. I deliver it to who? The name is Ann Kelly. She wants a puppet? She'll be very happy to get that one, see? Uh, not exactly, but uh, there are lots of Kellys in the phone book. And this time of night, she'll be at Easy's open house. It's a clip joint over in the East 80s. She helps Easy keep the house open? She helps him keep it filled. What does she use, a hook? You catch her routine, you'll be able to add it up for yourself. That's in addition to the 200? Yeah. I don't see the 200 yet. It's on your office desk. It's going to get awful dusty. You know, the last time I looked, I didn't notice any money on that desk. It's there now. But don't try to collect it, see? Not till after you deliver the puppet. Makes a kind of sense. Do I give Miss Kelly your regards along with the puppet? Do you know whose regards to give her? No. Well, then you better skip it. Now, you can make the joint in maybe 15 minutes. I wouldn't be happy about you dragging it out. Craig always keeps his clients happy. I'll get it to her in 15 minutes. So long. I uh, wouldn't bother remembering the license plates. You wouldn't? No, they don't belong to the car. Well, that's so. Ah, even more than that. Yeah? The car don't belong to me. I didn't bother about the license plates. I always believe a client, even if he happens to be a mug. This one was. But he wasn't a liar. Easy's open house was over in the East 80s, and it was open. Aunt Kelly wasn't at the moment helping keep the house open. I ducked a head waiter and headed for the dressing room. 
One of the advantages of being a confidential investigator, you always know where the back rooms are, if you can call it an advantage. One of the doors had a gray slip of paper glued to it. The name on the paper was Ann Kelly. I didn't have to think about it much. The slip of paper had started out in life nice and white. Practicing how to be a drummer, boy? That, I decided, was an invitation to come in. Ann Kelly had started out in life nice and clean. We all do. In her case, she'd held on to a little of that niceness, cleanness. A little. What happened to you? You lost your table or something? No. I'm on display out on the floor, not back here, mister. My name's Barry Craig. Well, that's a very fine name. I'll write home and tell Mother all about it. You're Ann Kelly. I'm not the king of France, but I guess you could tell that. They haven't got a king in France. Oh, mm. I'm here on a job. Really? It's an odd kind of job. You want to cry on my shoulder about it? It's a nice shoulder, but... Uh, offhand, there wouldn't uh, seem to be anything wrong with the job. Then why don't you do it? Yeah. Uh, it's in my pocket here. Your job? The most important part of it. Uh, I was instructed to deliver it to you. Uh, this. That... That's... A puppet. Here. Oh, no. No. Miss Kelly! My client had said Ann Kelly would be very happy to get the puppet. He was wrong. Unless every time Ann Kelly got happy, she passed out. Miss Kelly. Miss Kelly. Kelly, you're on. Kelly. I don't like to be nasty, Kelly, but the customers are impatient. Uh-oh. She fainted. Really, sir, you shouldn't. I mean, after all. I didn't. Oh. You easy? I beg your pardon? You meant, uh, am I Mr. Easy? That's what I meant. Well, I'm so sorry, I'm not. I'm Osborne. Oh, don't fret about it. Where can I find Easy? Oh, his office is down the hall. Uh, oh, what a delightful puppet. You must have dropped it? No. Well, I mean, is it yours? No. Well, it must be Kelly's then. Fancy. I'm too busy right now. Better hang around until she comes to, huh? Well, I suppose I must. Yeah. I didn't spend any time thinking. I hadn't anything to think about. The hallway back at the club was a carbon copy of them all. Shabby, the walls greasy with ancient dirt. The light bulb overhead not putting up much of a fight. Easy's office wasn't hard to find. That figured. Light leaked out from under the door. Somebody was in. The door was locked. Osborne could have been lying. Impatient, friend? He wasn't. Mr. Easy was at home. But why the delay? The strong, silent type, friend? The name's Craig. I think I'd like you using it better than friend. I'll try to remember. You coming in, Craig? If you don't mind. So, now what? Just information. What do you know about Ann Kelly? Why do I discuss her with you? I'm on a job. And it could turn out pretty nasty. And it could be the Kelly girl doesn't deserve it. She appeals to you? That could be arranged. <laughs> you got a heavy hand, friend. Lay off the friend, huh? Going around protecting virtue? You're a little late with Kelly. I asked you a question. So you did. I, uh... No! The desk drawer stays shut. I don't want to admire your gun. About the girl. She works here. The customers like her. I pay her a hundred and a quarter a week, period. How'd you come to hire her? 
She dropped in, asked for an audition, and she got it, so she got the job. Nice and neat. Don't try to make a thing of a girl passing out, Craig. Kelly happens to pass out easy. How'd you know she fainted? You stole me outside the door. Come on. I like it here. I said, come on. All right, take your hands off. I'm coming. Thanks. Stole me outside your door. Stole me in your office. You knew about her fainting. The pretty boy must have phoned from her dressing room. This one. What's the idea of busting in here? You're not Ann Kelly. Of course she isn't, Craig. I could have told you that before you half knocked the door down. Hold on. Yeah. The same room. A hunk of paper with her name on it was torn off the door. Look, Craig, the little lady here is dressing for her act. We're in her way. This was Ann Kelly's dressing room up until a couple of minutes ago. You're crazy. I'm beginning to think you've never even seen her. Where is she, Easy? She finished her last show for the night, probably on her way home. No. And the little lady could start screaming. That would bring us lots of company. Yeah. So it's going to be this way. I never saw Ann Kelly. She wasn't here. I never handed her a... Wait a minute. What's this? That? Looks like a puppet to me. Whose puppet? How would I know? Maybe it belongs to Susie, does it, Susie? Yeah. There you are, Craig. Well? A nice snooker play. Shut Craig off in a corner, get Kelly out of the place, and... Okay. Excuse me, little uh, lady. Craig. Yeah? I don't want any trouble. I don't know what you think you saw. Make it short. But uh, if you want to look through the place, it's okay with me. Thanks. I'm not much good at closing stable doors, though. So long, Easy. I was in a hurry. Ann Kelly wouldn't be in the phone book. I needed help. A confidential investigator isn't much good on a big deal in a hurry, whatever the book says. I yelled for help to the cops. Lieutenant Rogers. Hmm? Oh, Craig the perambulating operative. Take it easy, Trav, and don't forget, I never went to college. Will anyone ever forget I did? Lead a clean life, and maybe they will. Trav, I need help in a hurry. What kind of help? I want a girl named Ann Kelly found, and found fast. What's special about her? She faints when you shove a puppet under her nose. I feel something like that about puppets myself. You're not joking? No. All right. We'll go see what the boys in the back room are having. What uh, can you give me on her? She's an entertainer at Easy's Open House. So far, pretty bad. I've got a feeling she's in the wrong place. Chivalry, Barry? It's part of a job. I beg your pardon. I almost insulted you by implying you have a heart. Everybody's got a heart. All it does is pump the blood around. I was hired to deliver a puppet to her. She took one look at it and passed out. I went visiting Easy. Not a nice man. No. He stalled me. By the time I realized it and shot back to the girl's dressing room, they'd planted somebody else there. The girl was gone. Uh, you uh, stop here. I'll go inside, find out if there's a record on her. You sit down and write out a nice description. You might feed a pretty boy named Osborne to your men, too. Works for easy. Osborne. Sit down, Barry. Get that description done. Uh, no poetry, though. Poetry? What's that? Trav didn't need a written description. He just thought it might be a good idea if I had something to do while I was waiting. I guess it showed pretty plainly. I didn't bother with the description. I just waited. Barry? Yeah? Nothing on Kelly. No record. You got that description done? She's blonde, blue-eyed, 
medium height, in her 20s. What good would it do you? No good. Come on. Come on where? Osborne's in the books. I've got an address for him. All right. On our way over, you can tell me about who hired you for the puppet delivery. Yeah. I'll tell you something in return for it. You will? What about? Puppets. We climbed into Lieutenant Rogers' car and went away from headquarters. My story didn't take up very much time. You never got a good look at your client, then? No, I'd recognize him, but... Uh, maybe it'll come out in the wash. Or perhaps we can correlate a couple of stories. You're speaking to somebody who had his troubles with the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I imagine the eighth grade had more trouble with you. Barry, about a year ago, the department became indirectly interested in the puppet show. Homicide? Homicide. The primary interest was by the treasury. Seems a couple of people who were very good with puppets also did pretty well with distributing counterfeit money. Peculiar tie-up. No, no. The puppets worked with a tent show. A tent show is always moving, hits every part of the country. Its customers keep changing. It's not a bad center for distribution. I guess not. The puppets were handled by a couple of people. A blonde girl named Ann Keegan and her father. Keegan? Kelly? A possibility. However, the treasury started pressing. Things happened. There was no direct evidence about the girl, but her father was definitely implicated. Along with a couple of men in the background. One to supply the counterfeit, the other to run the whole operation. They had names? The manufacturer was called Dalgos. The man in charge may have been John Easy. May have been? No evidence. Dalgo served a year on an old charge. The operation was broken up, but uh, a couple of hundred thousand dollars in very good counterfeit currency disappeared at the time. And somebody's looking for it now. You said homicide was interested? Yes. The girl's father was cracking under the pressure. He was ready to confess. But someone got to him before then. And he died? He died. Jigsaw puzzles are fun working out. You keep looking at the pieces, and after a while, you begin putting them together. You have your problems, but pretty soon you lick them, and then you're finished. But suppose you don't like the picture you wind up with. Osborne's got an apartment in this house. He tie in with the tent show deal? No evidence. Hmm. Osborne. Osborne, yes. Apartment 1C. Would be on the ground floor. Convenient. You probably think you're being cynical, but you're right. For a criminal, the ground floor is definitely convenient. I'm bright without knowing it, huh? <laughs> uh, about the only way I'm bright. Your modesty is becoming. How accurate it is. No knock? No knock. This one ought to do it. We uh, won't loiter until invited. Yes. Yes, what? The room's empty. But the lights are on. Door on the opposite wall. Shut. However. Hmm. Bedroom. And... Not empty. That's your friend, Osborne? He's not nearly so pretty anymore. The girl. No sign of her in here. Nor in the living room. The bathroom. 
No. Well, the body's still warm. Window open. Alley. Anything besides the garbage cans? Sure. Ash cans. Phone? No. Back in the living room. Nice apartment. A Modilani on the wall. Modern furniture. With thick walls. The shots weren't hurt. A what on the wall? That painting. Looks more French than Italian. Mm-hmm. You knew who Modilani was all along. Oh, well. We'll have company in a few minutes. The girl must have decided she didn't care for Osborne's hospitality. Barry! Barry, come back here. I don't want you sticking that thick neck of yours out. Barry! I wasn't in the mood for company. Besides, everything had gone too smooth, too fast. The cops would have a time breaking things out into the open. They were dealing with professionals. Me... Maybe I wouldn't be figured close. I never won any medals for brilliance. It might be a help. Everything had happened in a hurry. The man who'd handed me the puppet that started everything had mentioned how smart I'd be if I stayed away from my office until my job was done. That meant a man would be watching it. Maybe nobody had notified him I'd finished my job. Maybe he'd still be watching the office. He was there. He wasn't happy about it either. That was a cold doorway he was holding down. Me? I picked another doorway and waited. I wait very good. One of these days, I'm going to start a movement to have all doorways heated, if I ever thaw out. A car came down the street. A quick look told me it was the same one I'd seen the boy with the puppet riding. I let it pass me and made my car. watched the car up ahead stop for the mug on sentry duty. He climbed in. Everything was okay now. Craig could go upstairs and collect his 200. But Craig had other ideas. They weren't expecting company. They weren't very careful. They led a straight run downtown and over towards the harbor. They pulled the car up into an alley, left it there, and used their feet. It wasn't a long walk. They used a stoop, went into a house that was young and fresh, maybe when the last century died, and shut the door behind them. Force of habit got me to the back door. There wasn't a cop in sight. I leaned on the door. It opened. They were pretty sure of themselves. Downstairs was nothing much. A couple of empty rooms, one that wasn't empty. Two mugs, neither of whom interested me. I tried the stairs. Nobody was worried. I got to the top. Things improved up there. If you could call it an improvement. Waterworks don't make much of an impression on me, kid. I don't know what you want. In a pig's eye, you... I already told you. Sure, and I already didn't believe you. I can't. I got lots more. Well? I could open the door and walk in. 
I might live long enough to identify my client, but not long enough to do the girl much good. I ain't got all year. I need the green stuff. I got sent up. The cop took over my equipment. I need the green stuff. I pass it on back in business again. You wouldn't want to stand in my way, would you? I never knew anything about... Sure, sure, it was your old man. Remember what happened to him? It could happen to you. What was the smart move? Get out of there and yell for the cops? Maybe they would have showed up in time. But who's smart? (gasps) Hello, Dalgus. Private eye. What? I don't like the way you treat women, Dalgus. I'm firing you as a client. Okay, you've been funny. Now talk straight. That was straight. What are you waiting for, a medal? I'll take Ann Keegan instead. You know who I am. It's been a lousily kept secret. Excuse me for interrupting, but I ain't giving out Ann Keegan's tonight. Just one will be enough. You packing a rod, Snoop? What do you think? I think you ain't. Otherwise, you'd be showing. So... I can break you in half before you get yours out. Maybe. But the boys downstairs, what do you think they'll be doing? You'd be dead before they got here. Maybe. Maybe not. But after they got here, you would be dead. And the girl, she might not be so lucky. We've both got something. Oh, you got your prayer. No. You haven't yelled for help yet. I so what? So you're afraid of what I'd do to you before they got here? I'm just hanging around waiting to see how bright you are. We'll leave it at that. I'm not at all bright. I want the girl. Nah. We've both got something. You've got the boys downstairs. Me? I've got the green stuff, the 200 grand in counterfeit money. Hey, where did you... Not here, not on me. How foolish do you think I am? You're running a nice bluff. No bluff. Ann, how'd you get your job at the open house? I... After my father was killed, Easy offered it to me. He used to be a friend of my father's. He said he'd look after me. I'll bet he did. None of this tells me where the stuff is. Nobody's telling you. Not till the girl and I are out of here. You take me for a second? You picked the girl up after she left the nightclub. You'd sent me to her with a puppet. You figured it would frighten her and make her run. Now you're not telling me anything I don't know. Yes, I am. Was anyone with her? Yeah. Yeah, cute little fella. I didn't have any trouble with him. His name's Osborne. I ain't anxious for an introduction. You uh, picked up something else when you picked Dan up. Yeah? A murder rap. That's supposed to be funny. A murder rap for who? Osborne. What are you talking about? All I did was push him around a little. When the cops found him, he'd been pushed around a lot. With half a dozen thirty-two caliber lead-nosed slugs. Oh, what's that got to do with... You've got it all now. How do you like it? I don't like it. At all. You've got one chance of beating that rap. Yeah, how? Keeping the girl and me alive. How would that happen? I can clear you if I want to. But it'll cost you. Cost me what? $200,000 in counterfeit money. It took him a little time to decide. Him a little time and me a lot of sweat. But then he came around, halfway. He let Ann go. She went. But me? Me he was holding on to until I could produce the counterfeit money. And the out for a murder rap. I got a gun on you and I keep it on you. The boys cover the open house front and back. Any funny business? I know, I know. Yeah, but you ain't sure. You can be sure. 
With that wrap right in my shoulders, what have I got to lose? What do you want me to do? Turn green with fright? Well, we've arrived. What do you know? Hey, Sam, get out first. Cover a big boy from the outside, huh? Ah, uh, you go out, Craig. Thanks. Me with you. We walk nice and close together. The gun right under your ribs. You wouldn't think of a quick wrestle. Trigger's shave goes off if I breathe too hard. It's all built up. Let's go, huh? Sam, you take the bank. Big boy walks out without me. He gets it hard. You stay out here, beef. Same order for you. Come on, Craig. That joint ain't open. Not for business. There's a back office. Yeah. That's where we do business? Right. We go in. They don't smell good in here. You ever been in a place that did? You watch it. I insult easy. Easy reminds me. Ever know a man named Easy? Nah. You're going to. Come on. Light through that door. The one we want. I don't think we knock. Hello, Easy. Craig. And... Hey. What did you call him? Easy. John Easy. Any objections? Well, the name's Marlowe. Ain't it, Marlowe? Hello, doggos. Long time no see. Not such a long time. A one-year stretch. And that's over. I'm pleased for you. Though I can't say I approve of the company you're keeping. Hey, never mind that. I got a gun on him. But what about... He's the man that worked with you and Keegan before you were sent up, doggos? Sure. He's the man gave Ann Keegan a job here because he used to be a friend of her father's. Nothing wrong with that. Except who killed Ann Keegan's father, Dalgus? Uh, I don't know. Did you? You're fishing for what? The truth. I don't think you killed him, Dalgus. Thanks for nothing. But who did? Who does it have to be? Dalgus, why my office? I mean, if you enjoy playing games with this thick-headed idiot... I, I don't think you killed Osborne either, Dalgus. But uh, look when Osborne dies. Immediately after your release from jail. And under what circumstances? When he was supposedly hiding Ann Keegan out. What does that add up to? Your conviction, because you wound up with Ann Keegan. Well, that much I know. What you're handing me now John is... John some... Easy, alias Marlowe. He had the motive. He'd latched down to the $200,000. He knew you'd be after Ann as soon as you got out. That's why he hired her. So he could use her for a bait. A bait for a trap in which he could break your neck. It could be that way. Delgos. Yeah? You got your gun on, Craig? Yeah. Then you won't be able to do very much about this, will you? What? Yeah, my gun pointing at you. As far as yours is concerned, shoot Craig or not as you please. Why, you dirty... You're bot. using that gun on Craig? No? Then suppose you drop it. Hey. Okay. Mr. Craig is unfortunately right. Too bad you had to get him involved in this, Dalgos. Otherwise, you'd have a little longer to live. Not much, but every hour counts, doesn't it? You've got that, dough. Of course I have, and I'll have fun spending it with caution. Now, think of you often, Dalgos. You can't afford it. Sure I can. Craig tracked you down. You and he had a gunfight. You both got killed. Who knows? Craig might even get a medal. It'll work, Dalgos. I don't think so. What? Drop it. I said... What? Hi, Barry. Hello and welcome, Trav. Mr. Easy, or I guess I should say Marlowe, will live long enough. The uh, counterfeit money? In his safe, I guess. We'll find out. Are you waiting for anything, Dalgos? Huh? No, 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 no. no. 
I've got a few policemen outside. They've collected his associates. I think they'll be pleased to pick him up. He's managed to acquire a few brand new charges in a very short time. Thanks for showing up on time. I was beginning to wonder if you ever would. You were gambling on the girl, weren't you? Uh-huh. That she was honest, that she'd come straight to us. It and paid off, didn't it? She's waiting for you at headquarters. She wants to see you. Barry, when you get to her, I think you'll first realize just how well it paid off. Hmm. Good night, folks. See you next week. You've been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, A Very Odd Job, was written by Lou Vittis. Next week, it's the strange story titled Diary of Death, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, murder counts to a bloody three, when three pieces of a treasure map that should lead to a great fortune only leads to greater misfortune. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Anne was Elspeth Eric. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Now, Robert Montgomery presents something different in news analysis on NBC. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. There's an old school motto with a modern twist, folks. An empty barrel makes a fine casket. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. Manhattan Island's my beat. From Battery Place uptown to Spite and Dilo. I've got my footprints on every inch of sidewalk, a memory in every mile. Get used to a beat and it's like home to you. You're an island native and only a pretty fancy fee can drag you even across the river to Brooklyn or three other boroughs. To drag you out of town needs a major earthquake or an act of Congress. So how come I find myself 40 miles from Broadway in an incorporated village called Seneca on the trail of a claw murderer? A nice little gent with side whiskers like Abraham Lincoln coaxed me into it. Town Supervisor Samuels, he called himself. His pitch went something like this. I came straight to you from Lieutenant Trav Rogers of your Metropolitan Police, Mr. Craig. Yeah, Lieutenant Rogers phoned me. You just left his office. 
No dice, old man. Seneca's off my beat. But, but it's a situation of desperate emergency. What's the population of your village, Samuel? Uh, uh, 300. A killer can't lose himself in that small a crowd. But uh, Order every townsman to line up in the public square. Then go up and down the line. When you see a wild gleam, nab him. A wild gleam? The guy you're looking for is a lunatic, first class. The claw used in the killing shows that. One nut in the neighborly crowd, your sheriff can't be that helpless. Well, he is. Berkey's only honorary sheriff. His business is farm tools and tractors. Who's your regular sheriff? We have nobody. Crime in Seneca is a rare thing. <laughs> Don't even have a jail. Pass the hat and build yourself one. Crime's here to stay, people say. Uh, the board of supervisors empowered me to supersede Berkey, to contract outside help, someone experienced in homicide. You were highly recommended. By Trav Rogers. The lieutenant's having his joke. Please, Mr. Craig. You're a nice town supervisor, and you look like a tintype of an old favorite uncle of mine. I'd like to help you, but uh, no amount of pleading, no power on earth, not 50 claw killings can entice me 40 miles from New York. In Seneca, flanked by Samuels and the sometimes sheriff, I got a look at the corpse. The morgue was the back room of a taxpayer divided into a grain, oats, and seed shop and mortuary parlor. Uh, this was Dr. Tyler, Mr. Craig. A doctor, huh? A horse doctor. Oh, sad day for Dobbin. Pretty thorough job of annihilation. Uh, shocking crime. The claw marks on the skull were made by a garden tool, looks like. Yeah. Did Doc Tyler have any enemies? Uh, let the sheriff answer, Samuels. Why, no. Not to my knowledge, he didn't. Doc Tyler was a pillar in the community, a fine, respected Save man. Save the uh, eulogy for the funeral services, huh? Theft, then. Was anything stolen? No, I'll have to say no to that. All Tyler had was accounts receivable. Bills owing him for his doctoring work. You went over his property, then? I did. The robbery was my notion, too, at first. I ordered an inventory of everything Tyler owned, right down to the horse pails. And nothing was missing? Nothing of any account, no. Except for old Baldy, everything was right where it belonged. Except for old Baldy, you say? Huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. Old Baldy's an old iron paperweight, uh, the American Eagle. Doc Tyler always had it on his desk on top of a pile of papers. And old Baldy was missing? Yes. Yes, we couldn't find hide nor hair of it. Well, either somebody borrowed it and planted to keep it now that Tyler's gone, or Tyler threw it out. Or the murderer clawed Tyler to get it. Oh, now, uh, why would anybody want to commit murder for a worthless old paperweight? Can't say, but that's why I'm in this whistle stop, to find out why. And that brings us down to cases. You and me. Come again? You're being here. Samuels brought you out against me. Against you? No, no, Sheriff. Shut up, Samuels. This is between me and Craig. Against me, I said, Craig. Oh, I get it. Your pride's hurt, huh, Sheriff? When you've jackassed around a while and Samuels admits to being the finicky fool he is, I'm marching you to the railroad station. With a brass band and local school mom doubling as drum majorette. A big goodbye to a conquering hero, Sheriff, because my parting gift to Seneca is your claw murderer in person. Want a bet? I found overnight accommodations at a Miss Pringle's split seconds before a storm broke. 
Miss Pringle was a spinster who looked it, and a fluffy white poodle who looked as if he was eating himself into his grave to escape Miss Pringle. This is Fluff, Mr. Craig. Fluff, huh? Does he bark? Uh, seldom. Uh, Fluff has chronic laryngitis. Oh. oh. Uh, Dr. Tyler, peace to him, was treating Fluff. Sad about Dr. Tyler. Uh, you're here to find the fiend? I'm here to get a night's sleep. Very well. You you can have the attic room. Why so high a climb? Well, I'm I'm not accustomed to taking male lodgers. Enough said. Blankets, towels, is everything there? Oh, yes, yes, the room is ready. And a wall outlet so I can plug in and shave? No, no, the electric wires don't extend to the attic. Oh. Uh, there's a kerosene lamp. Uh, now, if you go to your room... You're uh, pushing me, Miss Pringle. But I'm not accustomed to men in my parlor. Enough said. I'll see you in my dreams. Oh, oh my. <laughs> Good night, Miss Pringle. <laughs> There were things I wasn't accustomed to, like attics, like figuring out how to light kerosene lamps, or like having the roof suddenly cave in on my head. I went down from a sneak blow club, the weapon felt like. I went down, but not out. I could see through a red haze like a film of blood, and I could hear glass breaking somewhere in the room. I rolled on the floor, not to be a sitting duck for a second blow. But no second blow came. Just quiet and the rain outside. The rain blowing in from an open window. The window my sneak opponent had used getting in and out. I went out the window after him. Outside, just at the edge of Miss Pringle's driveway, I ran into a reasonable facsimile of King Kong. A guy who looked as if he should be swinging from trees. Sitting behind the wheel of an open convertible, its top down. Working the car starter and getting nowhere. Having trouble, friend? It's slow, don't want to go. The wires are wet. I'm driving good and then it stops. Your wires are wet. I'm driving good, and then it stops, and then it won't go. You're getting all tangled up in your IQ, friend. Doesn't the top go up? Yeah, easy. This button here, you push it. So push it. No. You've got a medium-sized lake around you. Floodwaters rising from the floorboard. I'm not pushing no button. I like it like this. How did you happen to stall here? I told you I'm driving good. Well, then it stops, and then it won't go. You making fun of me? No, 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 no. Did we meet a while ago? Huh? Where? In Miss Pringle's attic. No. I'm driving, so how could it be? How could it be? Parked here the last five minutes. Did you see anybody in a hurry to quit the general neighborhood of Miss Pringle's? No. I see nobody. You're sure? Are you trying to mix me up? Nature got to you first. Just for future reference, uh, what name do you answer to? Harmony. Harmony? Yeah. You like it? Back in the attic with the kerosene lamp lit, 
and Miss Pringle in a trembling spasm, I took stock of the room. Oh, what you've told me, Mr. Craig, it's unbelievable. Believe it. I wasn't born with this rhinoceros egg on my head. But what purpose could I'm checking to see. This picture on the floor, where was it hanging originally? The kerosene lamp's throwing so many shadows I can't see the nail hole. Why, it's hung there over the high boy. The glass broke? Yeah, it needs a new glass. A ship's print, huh? Yes, uh, uh, the princess Ida, an old whaling vessel. The picture have any special meaning? Special meaning? A value, an heirloom or something? Why, no, no value. I only paid a dollar for... Oh, wait, yes, come to think of it, I was offered a good price for it. How good a price? One hundred dollars, if I recollect. For a dollar print? Who made the offer? The young Mr. Stanley, the one with the new antique shop out on North Rugby. Why didn't you sell the picture to him? Well, I'm not sure. For spite, I guess. Spite? Well, the young man was too persistent and and bad-mannered. Calling me on the telephone and then tracking his muddy boots on my parlor rugs. But I don't understand why these questions... Somebody was up here to steal the picture. I got in the way and was struck down. But nobody stole the Princess Ida. It was dropped in the commotion in the getaway. I heard breaking glass while rolling on the floor. Oh, you're trying to frighten me. Just enough to make you twice the cautious miss you already are. No men in your parlor. There's one joker abroad who might not respect that rule. You're not alluding to the... The claw murderer. Bolt your door and sleep with one eye open. Oh, my... I've just found you beautiful, and I don't want to lose you. Mr. Craig. Yes, Miss Pringle. Uh, there's a fine room on the first floor right next to mine. Oh, no thanks. I'm getting to like the attic. There's electricity and, and a wall outlet you can shave. Oh, really kind of you. But I'm looking forward to roughing it. It'll toughen me up. Mr. Craig, I... I insist you move to the room downstairs next to mine. Oh, this creeping infatuation for me. Fight it, Miss Pringle, to your last drop of blood. We could get to be the talk of Seneca. I I don't care, Mr. Craig. I'm frightened. In the morning, I took breakfast with town supervisor Samuels. Breakfast and information. I'm sorry, Sheriff Berkey made you unwelcome. Berkey's sensitive to competition. I'm sorry about your injury. My injury? You were attacked and beaten last night. How could you know? Uh, Miss Pringle had me on the telephone in the middle of the night. Oh. I want to know about a couple of your townspeople. Yeah? First, uh, a bright chap who calls himself Harmony. Harmony? Now, what reason could you... Never mind. I'm asking the questions. Tell me about it. Uh, Harmony's big Toby Keller. Hires out for odd jobs. Spring plowing, window washing, garage work. How about dirty work? No. Craig, you're wrong about Harmony. I'd take an oath. His mind isn't uh, the best. But we know him to be good-natured, honest. Mm-hmm. What about a young Mr. Stanley? Fred Stanley? Uh, he's a newcomer to Seneca. What brought him here? Uh, a lawyer got him to come in the first place. From Chicago, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, Chicago. Fred Stanley came thinking he was a missing heir, claim his grandfather's fortune. But there was no fortune. Only an old house just this side of the Seneca line, not worth the taxes on it. 
Why was there any idea of a fortune at all? Well, the grandfather, old Mitchell Stanley, was said to be a rich miser who put no trust in banks. Yeah, when Mitch Stanley died, there wasn't a penny. They had to auction off his furniture to pay for his funeral. But young Stanley stayed on in Seneca. Yeah, opened an antique shop in the old Stanley house. Can he make out in a one-horse town like this? He has business signs posted on the highways, hoping to get the tourist trade. What's your interest in Fred Stanley? He tried to buy a ship's print, the Princess Ida, from a girlfriend of mine, Miss Pringle. Stanley offered $100 for a picture worth $1. A liberal offer like that... Hey, Craig! No, don't blow your gasket. It's only a parcel delivery through your closed window. Did you order this? What is it? A claw. A garden tool like the one used on Doc Taylor. And a note with it. It's addressed to me, Barry Craig. Get out of Seneca by ten this morning or never. Get out of Seneca by ten? Nine. Hmm, I've got an hour of grace. Or never. Craig, it's a threat against your life. I'll be planted in the country. A city fellow like Uh, me. The handwriting. No handwriting. The note was put together with newsprint. Can I borrow your car? Of course. Uh, Stanley's Antique Shop is on North Rugby Road, uh, just this side of the Seneca line, you said. It's a three-mile drive, up the incline to Widder's Ridge, then left a quarter mile. Uh, Craig, be careful. Please, I I don't want your murder on my conscience. Okay, I'll stay alive, but only for your sake, mind you. Staying alive is a deal that sometimes needs the cooperation of unknown parties, in my racket, anyhow. Climbing the steep incline to Widow's Ridge. Climbing maybe 300 feet into morning mists as thick as pea soup. I knew I wasn't going to get that kind of cooperation. A rifle shot that blew a tire into confetti. Crashed off the incline, had to come... Funny distortions in your eye when you first come to and start taking inventory to see if you're alive. A half-frozen robin who didn't have the sense to fly south for the winter. He sat on the side of the hill ten feet from where I lay, staring solemnly at me and chirping prayers for my safety. Oh, when I started getting to my feet, the robin flew away. The inventory added up. I was all there in one piece with a few dents that couldn't hurt forever. Samuel's car was down at the foot of the incline, topsy-turvy like it was playing dead dog. I'd been thrown clear of the wreck. Half my fee into the poor box. I took an oath on that as I started for Rugby Road on foot. Fred Stanley gave me the expected answer. Just what do you find so unusual about my interest in buying old pictures, Mr. Craig? $100 for a $1 picture doesn't make sense. And why must it make sense? It's a cold, practical world, chum. People generally don't go haywire with money. They conserve it. Now, look, Craig. I collect Americana. Whatever strikes my fancy, I buy. The cost is secondary. But you're in business to buy cheap and sell at a profit. Technically, yes, but it doesn't work out that way. I love buying and I hate selling. A profit is rare. That gets expensive. Where does the money come from? That's none of your business, Craig. Now, if you don't mind, I'll terminate this 
interview. I'm in no hurry. Now, look here, Craig. And I'm in no mood for the polite, formal approach, Stanley. Or the kind of weasel talk you've been giving me. Or being terminated. Are you insane? I walked away from my own murder 20 minutes ago. I came to this whistle stop against my will to do a big, good deed. And go home. I don't intend to settle here for keeps. But what has that got to you do You lied to me. A fancy, eccentric pose that's as phony as I am bored of an acting Shemokin. The ship print signifies something more than just another antique. No polite, formal approach, Stanley. I'm going to pound the truth out of you. Oh. Crazy, let me go. Tell me about the Princess Ida ship, Prince. Let go. Harmony. Harmony, help. Harmony, huh? Now we're making headway. So uh, King Kong's hired out to you. Harmony, help. I want you to let Stanley uh, go. Uh, Strapping ape like you, Harmony, uh, you don't need a gun to take charge. I want you to let Stanley go. Sure, I'll let Stanley go. I was only fixing his tie. Oh, Craig, you, you had no right to manhandle me. No right. It paid off. I got to find out who was providing Harmony with his raw meat. Harmony's with me on day hire to do general cleaning and polishing, scrape down old furniture. Plus prowl in attics, plus distribute garden tools shaped like claws all over town, plus take rival shots at passing cars. You're out of your mind. You assaulted me and Harmony rescued me. Now get out of here. Sure. But I'll be back. I'll be back, Stanley. The minute I tumble to your motive. Back at Miss Pringle's to wash up and change my suit for a whole one, I found her prized parlor rug a mess. Spots all over it. And the dog Fluff suddenly cured of laryngitis and barking. Warm spots with a sticky feeling to the hand. Red like blood. Blood tracked in by Fluff from somewhere. followed the tracks to Miss Pringle's bedroom. The blood was Miss Pringle's goodbye to spinsterhood. The garden tool, shaped like a claw, lay beside her on the floor like a third hand. Town Supervisor Samuels, aged 20 years and 20 seconds. Craig, it's, it's ghastly, ghastly. We'll skip the rhetoric. Miss Pringle was murdered by someone who made off with the Princess Ida. You know that? The picture is gone. I searched high and low. The murder then clears Stanley in harmony of any suspicion. No. But you saw them Ms. both. Miss Pringle could have been murdered earlier. While I was here, breakfasting with you. The Princess Ida and old Baldy. Two murders for two worthless relics. You're convinced these relics motivated the trustees? It figures. The relics and somebody's lust to kill for its own sake. We're dealing with a nut to boot. Do the articles have any history? History? A story, some legend they figure in, say. No, no, nothing I know, Craig. Some background that could tell us why two hunks of junk produced two killings. I'm sorry. Is there anybody in Seneca who could know? A village librarian or a local historian? Uh, you could ask Will Briggs. Will used to be our recorder until the town board voted to abolish the job. Will Briggs? Uh, Will's crotchety, bad-tempered. I don't think he'll be disposed to help you, even if he could. Even in a town crisis like this? Uh, Will Briggs don't feel very civic about Seneca and its problems. Since we abolished his job for economy reasons, Will's been feuding. Suing in the courts for pension, making a rumpus at town hall meetings. Great cooperative little town you've got here. Great job you roped me into. Mm -hmm. 
But Will Briggs pulled a switch on Samuel's characterization of him. Briggs fell all over himself cooperating. For $20, Mr. Craig. I'm a man without funds. 20 bucks, okay. You'll get it. Black-hearted board of supervisors... Did you dirt? Old Baldy and the Princess Ida. Scratch your memory. Old Baldy and the Princess Ida. Funny now, you should be asking about them. Why is it funny? You're the second party that's come to me asking. Who came first? Old Mitchell Stanley's grandson. The one who settled himself into a shop here a spell ago. Young Fred Stanley. What did you tell him? What I'll tell you. If you wait... I have the record here. Yes, here it is. The sales sheet, my own writing, for that auction they held at Mitchell Stanley's once to raise money for burying him. I was craking for the auctioneer that day. Get to it, please. In my time. See? It says here we sold beds and tables and floor coverings. Down here it says Old Baldy. Fifty cents. Sold to Dr. Tyler. Princess Ida. One dollar. Sold to Miss Pringle. And the snowman sold for 75 cents. What's the snowman? A design on a patchwork quilt it's named for. Who bought it? Let me see. Sold to Adam Samuels, it says. That's the town supervisor himself. Where's your telephone, Briggs? Telephone? <laughs> Ain't never invented it from its use to me. Keeping body and soul together as it is. Briggs, don't bend my ears. What's got your back up? Samuels, your town supervisor's number three on the claw murderer's list. If it's so, I say good riddance to the black-hearted... Good riddance or bad, someone else would have to judge Samuel's merits as a human on earth. The garden tool shaped as a claw lay across the room where it had been thrown. A claw with bright red fingers. Fred Stanley resisted arrest to the last gasp. Harmony's last guest, that is. Craig, get out of here. You're under arrest, Stanley. You have no authority. I've got a gun. Harmony! That ape man comes through the door and he's dead. Harmony! You're asking your moronic stooge to commit suicide? We'll see. Harmony! One down, and Seneca's a better place for it. You... You killed him. He's only wounded. Where do you want it, Stanley? I... I'll go with you. Stanley put his confession on record after a little workout and a lot of sweating. I I found a diary that once belonged to my grandfather, Mitchell Stanley. A diary hidden behind the oak paneling over a fireplace. In the diary, three pieces of a map were mentioned. A piece each hidden in old Baldy, the Princess Ida, and the Snowman, huh? Yes. A, a treasure map. The three pieces were to fit together into a treasure map. Through them, I'd find the wealth my grandfather was reputed to have. The wealth that never turned up when he died. Insanity runs in the Stanley line, huh? My grandfather's whole genius was a genius for hiding and hoarding. Hiding from the world in that awful house at the edge of the town line. Hoarding his gold. Fantastic thing like a child's treasure map was 
well in character with my grandfather. The shabby trick, too, is well in character with my grandfather. What does that mean? Well, it was all a grotesque joke. My grandfather's ghoulish sense of humor. I killed three people for a load of junk. There weren't any pieces of map in Old Baldy. Or the Princess Ida. Or the snowman. That diary, Stanley. Give it to me. Here. Go hunt yourself up some treasure, Craig. There was an anticlimax to the Stanley story... In a village beanery, with the sometime Sheriff Berkey trying to act apologetic and yet keep his dignity... Uh, I, I suppose you'll be leaving now, Craig, eh? Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to stand on Broadway and flip a cigarette into the gutter. Well, I've been a jealous fool. So would I be, in your shoes. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, will Briggs is coming over to see you. He says uh, you owe him something. Yeah, yeah. Twenty bucks for valuable services rendered. Craig? Briggs. It's not out of order now. To dun me for 20 bucks? <laughs> Here you are. Well, thank you. When we go. Stick around a minute, Briggs. I want to go over that feud you had with the town board. I'm over it now. Now with the town board extinct. Now that the murders of Doc Tyler, Miss Pringle, and Samuels have left Seneca without a town board. I'm not one to pity the dead. But I'm one to pillory the living. Here's that alleged Mitchell Stanley diary that produced three murders. Is it now? And this is that auction sales sheet in your own handwriting, as you told me. Do I have to tell you that the handwriting in both is the same, even down to the green ink? Greg, what are you getting at with Briggs? That Briggs here forged the diary, Sheriff, and planted it where young Stanley would be sure to find it. That Stanley killed three people Briggs hated while Briggs sat back and enjoyed the show. That young Stanley was only a dupe, a tool used for revenge. Make the arrest, Sheriff. And then flag down a train so I can scram out of this whistle stop. The sweet neighborliness around here is just killing me. Good night, folks. See you next week. Listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Diary of Death, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story titled A Time to Kill, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, I have a wow of a time in the kindergarten when a whimsical corpse insists on playing hide and go seek. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Samuels was Louis Van Ruten. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Next, Robert Montgomery presents something different than news analysis on NBC.
Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Reviews are always appreciated, so if you have a moment, please do stop and send us one. Until next time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.